Welcome to episode 18 of Retrospection. In each show, we blunder through a graveyard of retro films and TV shows, dig one up and decide if it should be reanimated or reburied. My name's Colin, and I'm trapped in the village. And I'm Paul, and I never drink wine. In this episode, we're taking a look at John Badam's Dracula from 1979. And I'm going to start with the plot. A man washes ashore in England after a shipwreck and is found by Mina van Helsing. The man introduces himself as Count Dracula of Transylvania and proceeds to integrate himself into the lives of Mina and her friend Lucy Seward. However, when Mina dies and her father, Professor Van Helsing, attributes her death to a vampire, evidence indicates that Count Dracula is the monster and Lucy is his next target. Well, that was dramatic. It's a dramatic film. No, it is. You know that they, they messed around with the story in this movie well it's based off the stage play rather than the book it is but they even messed around with that as well in what way they switched the two female leads around oh that's right yes i remember yeah. reading so that. so lucy is the one who who is the main character while mina is is the one that gets it right if you know what i mean <laughs> we all do unfortunately yeah. <laughs> she gets something i don't want to spoil it yeah the film stars Frank Langella as Count Dracula, Laurence Olivier as Professor Van Helsing, Donald Pleasance as Jack Seward, Kate Nelligan as Lucy Seward, Jan Francis as Mina Van Helsing, Trevor Eve as Jonathan Harker, and Blink, and you'll miss it, Sylvester McCoy as Walter. Well, this is, yeah, uh, I was thinking there's there's lots of sightings of the rare-speckled Sylvester McCoy in this film, isn't there? <laughs> yes, there is. I think he gets two lines. <laughs> he does get two lines, but well, apparently, apparently, most of his stuff ended up on the cutting room floor. He did a lot more, apparently, or so he says. <laughs> Didn't that happen in Doctor Who? <laughs> they cut him out of his own show. Oh, he kept getting his spoons out all the time, didn't he? What, yeah, was playing them for like. He could have got them out in this. I beg your pardon. His spoons. Ah. <laughs> the film had a twelve million dollar budget and made thirty-one million dollars. Another successful movie, what we're doing. Just about. It's good enough. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's not Streets of Fire. <laughs> no, that's, not, that's true. Uh, well, as we mentioned, it was taken from the stage play, which ran from 1977 to 1980. And in this year, there were actually three Dracula films released. There was Werner Herzog's Nosferatu the Vampire and Love at First Bite. I bet you'd rather we were doing Love at First Bite, weren't we? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Which actually came out the same week in the US as this did. Well, let me just say, of those three movies that you just mentioned, I own two of them, and Love at First Bite isn't one of them. <laughs> Says a lot. It does say a lot, doesn't it? Other films released the same week were Time After Time. Ooh, excellent. Concord Airport 79. Not so excellent. And The Deer Hunter. I would say classic, but I don't like it. What, you don't like The Deer Hunter? Not really, no. I mean, it's got its moments, but oh, controversial. Don't look at me like that. So why don't you like The Deer Hunter? I find it incredibly depressing. I mean, I know it's meant to be depressing. <laughs> yeah, it's not meant to be a comedy. No, I know. 
it could do with a few laughs. <laughs>, <laughs> I'm sure there's room for comedy in, in People that. say that about this podcast. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> we're, we're trying. We're trying harder than the Dion, <laughs> to put it that way. But, I mean, you, 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 you know, it's all shooting yourself in the face moments, isn't it? I, you know, you could have a little bit of levity in there somewhere, couldn't you? Did you walk out of Schindler's List saying the same thing? <laughs> it's like uh, you came out going, you know what? Could have done with a few more jokes, a bit more colour. But, talking of colour, the colour in this film has changed since its original theatrical release. It has. Well, it was it was a lot more vibrant originally, wasn't it? And um, John Badham decided that he wanted to desaturize the the whole thing, didn't he? Yeah, he wanted to make it more black and white to match the original set to the theatrical production. He originally, apparently, he wanted it to be in black and white, but he didn't get right. his wish because the studio wouldn't let him. So he, he... No, but it's never been seen in its original colouring since its theatrical run. And apparently, from the you know, there's there's talk on 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 the internet that the people that saw it oh, in the it, internet, <laughs> yeah, the internet, the people that saw it in its original run said that it, it was incredibly colourful and vibrant, and you can see how it could be, can't you? Because it's very cinematic, and it, it I bet it looked amazing in its original version. So do you have anything else you want to talk about before we launch into the film? Well, I mean, there's various things, but I think it's probably better that we mention it as we go along, really. Okay. So, so yeah, right. yeah, go for it. All right, so the film begins with a howl of a wolf and the flutter of a bat. Gothic font opens the film as we soar across water towards a castle on a hill. And the music is really loud. And it's amazing music, though, isn't it? It's all right. It's John Williams. Yeah, I know. It's okay. Oh come on! This sound, this this score is amazing. I, can you hum it? Yeah. Oh, go on then. You want me to hum it? Yeah, right now. Um. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Something like that, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Memorable. <laughs> so oh it's come on! It's, it's even got a hint of Raiders in it. Before Raiders. Oh, so you're saying he stole it from himself? Well, no, because he. he, he well, this was before Raiders, so if it's got so a hint Raiders of... stole from this? Yeah. Well, it's John Williams. I mean, it all sounds the same, doesn't it? Kind of. So now you've gone saying it's amazing to it always sounds the same. Yeah, but it, it sounds the same in an amazing way. <laughs> okay. See what I did there? That was good, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's 1913. Yeah. There's a bad storm. Lightning. Waves are high. And there's a tall ship adrift. A man lays dead, his neck ripped out. The sailors are battling the weather to take the cargo from the hold and, for some reason, try to throw it overboard. Well, you know, there's, there's been a rat problem on this ship, hasn't there? People have been dying. A rat problem? Yeah. There's rats all over this ship, isn't there? Yeah, but there's rats all over ships normally, isn't there? Um, Seems rather a panic. Yeah, but you, you, you don't normally get people's throats ripped out either, do you? Well, I was going to say, unless you've got a different experience than, than I've got, you know. You've been on many ships with vampires? Uh, one or two in my time. <laughs> yeah, you know, I've, I've, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't question it if you said you had. <laughs> <laughs> it's very dark at this point, and is it a hand that smashes through the box, or is it a clawed paw? I think he's supposed to be midway between transforming into a wolf ah okay because it's really hard to see and it, it rips from the inside 
of the box outwards and rips the neck from a man. Yes, that's right. And another sailor jumps overboard because he'd rather drown than face what's inside the box. Well, wouldn't you? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> you give it a go. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd take on the furry fiend. I bet you would. <laughs> and a wolf stands growling. It's, don't you think that it's it's very well edited? This it's it's um, it's very cinematic and very very dramatic. Yeah, are we rhyming now? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> I can do the whole thing in rhyme if you like. Yes, I do. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're not supposed to call my bluff. Okay. Now inside, we cut to a cliff-top mansion that serves as a mental asylum, and the patients are going crazy. They're all screaming, and we see a lot of British thespians running around. British what? Thespians. Well, I mean, I know there's a woman in there with short hair, but, I mean, that's a bit, you know, come on. Why, wow, you're really playing your character today. <laughs> They'll love you on other podcasts. <laughs> Not all of them. <laughs> <laughs> <So>. <laughs> And we we get we get a we get a rare sighting of um, the speckled Sylvester McCoy, don't we? Oh, we do early on. Yes, mm. marvelous. Minus his spoons. Yes, I wrote it down in my I Spy Sylvester McCoy book. <laughs> well, you know, these sightings are getting rarer and rarer as we get older. That's true. That's Unless true. you go to the right conventions, obviously, and then or, all, any, or, or any conventions. Or... Yeah, or any conventions. <laughs> <laughs> So we see Jack Seward, played by Donald Pleasance, and he owns the mansion. He's a doctor, but doesn't apparently appear to use the word doctor. And he's trying to deal with the patients. And then we cut to another room in the asylum, and it's obviously the room that they all live in. And we see Lucy Seward, and she's reading a letter out loud to her friend, Mina Van Helsing, played by Jan Francis. And I just kept thinking, where's Paul Nicholas? <laughs> oh, a joke that five people over the age of 40 will find amusing. <laughs> It, well, we are a niche podcast. <laughs> yeah, we niche her all the time. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I used to really like John Francis. And I don't. there's a weird moment in this, because Mina says to Lucy, you're so brave taking on all those men. Yeah. What way was she referring to? Lucy's a very forward-thinking woman, isn't she? She's A modern woman. Trapped she's a modern in a... woman trapped in... in, in, in you know, oh, what is wait, essentially wait. Victorian. <laughs> box, is it Victorian? Not Georgian? Uh, well, yeah, but we're just slightly outside of Victorian times, isn't it? I, so... I was curious because I could see you fladdling for which period we were. <laughs> it is essentially Victorian, though, isn't it? It is, yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, the, the sensibilities are all Victorian. Absolutely. I find it strange that they, they moved the time period slightly forward. Why do you think they did that? I don't know. I mean, the only thing that I can think of is so that they could have a car in it. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just move the times just so there's a car chase. There's no other reason, is there? There's nothing else in the movie that, that warrants it being moved forward in time. No, there isn't. They just wanted a car because there's a chase that happens yeah. later in the movie. <laughs> That's all they wanted it for, I think. I guess. Yeah, I can't see anything else. So we also learn that Mina is very weak. She's a weak woman. She's very pale. Mm-hmm. And we hear bells sounding, and they're referred to as sunken bells. They do. Or, or you, you got to say, the northern accents in this movie are fantastic, aren't they? What is going on with this film with the accents? <laughs> sunken bells. <laughs> hey up. Hey up, lad. 
<laughs> so Lucy says, don't to worry. They're just sounding a warning to the ships about the nearby rocks. Mm-hmm. And then Mina, because she's been left alone, goes to a window and she sees a ship. And then she runs outside. Yeah, put a coat on. I mean, it's, it's peeing it down outside, isn't it? What does she think she's going to do? Yeah, but he's calling to her, isn't he? you got to read oh, the subtext. Wait, wait, wait. You think at this point that he is? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's calling to her. Oh, I didn't really see that, but okay. Mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't get that connection at that point. you got to remember, I mean, he's, he's, he's essentially a magical creature, isn't he? He's, he's a supernatural yeah. creature, so... Who needs a ship? Well, I was going to say can't fly, but he can because he can turn into a bat. But he can't, <laughs> he can't fly across oceans, can he? We'll see about that. Oh, wow. Well. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the ship crashes against the rocks, and Mina continues running towards this huge, devastating, crashing, smashing ship. As you do, it's a bit Derek Meddings this uh, this boat, isn't it? I didn't mind it, but it's so dark; it's hard to see what's going on, and it's so, like you said, desaturated. No, you keep saying it's dark. Did you watch a Blu-ray version? Yes, because I've got the Blu-ray, and I didn't think it was as dark. Oh, maybe because I had the lights on. <laughs> Possibly he's shining on the TV. Did you have the curtains open? And I was wearing sunglasses. That'll do it. Oh, that's where I went wrong. See, <laughs> got to really stop watching my films that way. <laughs> so he jumps off the boat, doesn't he? He's a wolf. Yes, yes, and it is snarling, and he just walks past her, and she just watches it go past and into a cave, and then she runs into the cave after it. No, it's a bit redundant, isn't it? Changing into a wolf, don't you think? I've always thought that about Dracula. He can change into a bat and fly around. and right. Or he can be Dracula, who's like this super powerful, supernatural being. Why change into a wolf? Um, <laughs> Do you think that's the only way he can lick his own balls? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I don't know why he chooses a wolf, but this is a trope from these films, right? Well, I mean, it's a trope from the novel. So. Oh, it's actually in the yeah, novel? Yeah, it's in the novel. A long time since I read the novel. Oh, okay, so I guess... That's the reason why I am. I guess the wolf symbolizes a certain. Yeah, I think it did at the time when the novel was written. I mean, it's it's everything that Victorian era England isn't, isn't it? It's 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 wild, wild and abandoned and, and unpredictable. Can't be controlled. So it symbolizes. I mean, like anything in in vampire stories, it's sim it's symbolism, isn't it? Actually, yes, because it's the opposite of a dog, which is obedient and trained. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. So Mina, once she's in the cave, she sees the body and crouches down to it, and the man reaches out and grasps her hand. And it's an amazing sequence. This. It's okay. Oh come on! It's the the hand is like a, it's like a, it's like the legs of a spider, isn't it? It's the way his hand pokes out from the from the coat, and it's really slow, and then it grabs her. It's a spider coming out of its lair. Wow! Are, are you reading my script? Did you write that? This is usually the kind of thing I would say. <laughs> and you usually go, ooh, you've read too much into this film. <laughs> Have we got notes mixed up? No, get ready for more. There's a lot more. <laughs> I've got more <laughs> of this long, shit. <laughs> it's going to be a long podcast. <laughs> so the next morning, the ship has beached and the locals are pulling items from it. <laughs> and We get all northern again, don't we? Yeah, there's like lots of conversations in the background and and Jonathan Harker, played by Trevor Eve, turns up in his car and we get like, yeah, it's one of those contraptions. <laughs> and, okay, Trevor Eve's accent. He, 
he kind of drifts in and out of trying to do a northern accent. <laughs> I didn't I didn't actually realize he was northern until halfway through the film when he did something. He said something. I was like, oh, wait, was that? Oh, he's supposed to be northern. I thought he was from the south and he was this rich guy who'd moved up. Yeah, yeah, because doesn't he later on in the movie, he says the word ghastly. He doesn't say ghastly. He says ghastly, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, it's it's not great. And all these Northerners with all these conversations going on reminds me of a Richard Lester film. Oh, which one? Well, all of them. It's his style. Because if you ever oh, listen right, to okay. a Lester film, all the extras are always saying things in the background and mumbling things and going, ooh, look at him. <laughs> I thought you meant that they were all Northern. No, I just meant the style is, mm-hmm. you know, like his yeah. mm-hmm. at this point anyway. Well, it, um, it, this is the thing about John Badham in this movie, though. He, he's he's in so, in a film that's such a, a you know it's a, a fantastical story about supernatural creatures and all this kind of stuff. Intersperses it with lots of naturalistic stuff. I find you know lots of it's it's like almost like he he's making two movies at times. He's making the Dracula, and he's also making this northern turn-of-the-century, bleak, you know, this is what real people were like. It's odd to me because I don't think of him as a director being like that. I no. think of Short Circuit, Stake Out, The Hard Way, Blue Thunder, War Games. I'm sitting here and I'm going, where's Ali Sheedy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's certainly a, um, a different turn for him. Yeah. Um, so, Jonathan Harker... Is talking to Jack Seward aboard the ship. Mm-hmm. Jonathan is saying that Count Dracula was supposed to be on the ship mm-hmm. and that he's going to take over the castle. He's bought it. Mm-hmm. It's an abbey. Jack it's said, an abbey, actually. Yeah, but they call it Castle Kerfax. 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 It's called Castle Kerfax, mm-hmm. even though it is an abbey. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, Jack Seward tells him that Dracula was the only one who survived the crash. And we also learned the locals don't seem to like Jonathan. It's because he's he's putting on hers and graces, isn't he? Or is it because he's pretending to be Northern? Because <laughs> <laughs> you know you know they don't like that up there. Yeah, I'm telling you now. No, no, no. <laughs> and what's the name of the local that we see at this point? Renfield. Renfield. So Renfield tell well Jack tells Renfield to invite Dracula to his home, mm-hmm. the the asylum. Yeah, it's a great performance, isn't it? You have to say. Ren- from Renfield. Yeah. Yeah, he- yeah, it is. Jonathan and Jack drive up the, to the asylum and they are greeted by Lucy. And we learn that she and Jonathan are a couple and are soon to be married. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, at Castle, not an abbey, the crates from the ship are pulled inside. It's a. <laughs> Get over it. <laughs> and Renfield is complaining about pulling the crates up the steps and how much work it is when one of the crates opens and a figure steps out. I know that this is a Universal movie and Universal made the the classic Bela Lugosi uh, Dracula. So they're, they're, they're trying to hit all those beats, but in a modern kind of way. And at times, I mean, they do it really well, but they also have this unfortunate thing that, that Hammer wasn't that long ago in 1979 you know and mm-hmm. uh, so they're trying to do something with it but you you kind of help you can't help but go back and think of hammer at various points in this film which right. which is fine because i mean i love hammer you know you know i do but 
I, I think it's a shame that there's there's certain things in this film that have become cliched over the years. And they were kind of cliched yeah. then, I think, in 79 as well. It, it's funny you say that because that's the problem I have with these films is that whenever I'm watching them, I'm always thinking about the cheesy mm-hmm. hammer tropes and styles. And it's the same with the airport films because I'm always thinking of airplane and the jokes that are made about them. And I have trouble untangling the two because I don't have the nostalgia of these films because I didn't grow up watching them. Right, yeah. Um, and I, I think... What helps me is the fact that I did have that. But I think mm-hmm. in some ways as well, I think you have to try and put yourself in a position where you, 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 you almost imagine what it would have been like before all that, you know, but I, I, before before it became a, a trope or a, or, or, a, or a cliche, you know. Right. But, right. It, but I think even in 1979, it was, you know, it was a cliche. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is, I think, a, a lot of the criticism that this film got at the time was down to that. So Renfield's pulling the crates up, and Dracula appears, and he turns into a bat. He does. No, now, no, it's turning into bats. Go. It isn't that bad. It's not scars of Dracula, is it? Well, this is what I'm going to say. We've seen bat action. We've seen scars we've seen of bat Dracula. Action, yeah. And now we're seeing it again. Uh-huh. And you say this isn't as bad, and I'll agree with that. But it isn't great either. What what aspects so, of it bothered you? The fact that it looks like a rubber bat nailed to the camera. <laughs> oh, well, they did the shot from behind. Yeah, the POV shot yeah. with the... Well, it's not a POV, I guess, if it's behind the bat. But, yeah. Now, I'm beginning to think that perhaps bats are the hardest things to recreate in special effects i think they must be yeah i mean back in the day it's pre-cgi so that's the only conclusion i can come to and i think that if there's anybody out there they should if they're training to be special effects artists they should specialize in bat action (laughs) because there's clearly a call for it (laughs) and no one seems to get it right well obviously because i mean they've ditched it now you don't see a lot of bat action anymore do you no, because it doesn't work. I think it kind of works in this movie because they a lot of the time when you see the bat flying around, it's a real bat, isn't it? A real bat. It's a real bat a lot of the time. They they tend to use the rubber bat when it needs to attack people. Right, because you couldn't have a real bat attacking people. That'd be well, no. But I mean, there is a shot later in the movie where it does attack someone, and it does look quite convincing. I think when it's a, there's a shot later in the movie where I mean we'll get to it, but it's when right. it attaches itself to someone's face. And it looks kind of real. Okay. You're not buying it, are you? <laughs> no. No. What do you think of the um, the transformation moment where he leapt in the air and suddenly developed a, a massive bat cape? I thought that was okay. There's a couple of effects in this film that are pretty good. Whoa. So you're, you're fine with the massive bat cape? <laughs> <laughs> but the rubber yeah, bat to... is yeah, a no-no. Just annoy you. <laughs> Okay. I'm just particular about my bats. <laughs> you got a... all right. Okay, I didn't realize you were such just... a connoisseur of bats. I am. I just don't care about capes. You've you've got your priorities completely the wrong way around. You know. I know. I mean, I'm all about the capes. Oh, I know. <laughs> yes. Everybody knows. <laughs> Jonathan and Jack are discussing the wound on the captain and how no storm could have done it. Mm-hmm. And then Dracula arrives at Jack's home. And they're all having a dinner party. 
Lucy's there, Mina's there, Jack and everybody, and they're introduced to Dracula. I mean, this this whole scene, this um, dinner party scene, it's um, it's a really famous scene from the play. It's it, it, They do it in the Bela Lugosi movie as well. Right. And... Um, it is one of the best scenes in the in the film. It's one of the best scenes in the play because the the play isn't very good. Oh, says you or says everybody? I think generally speaking, it isn't very good. Oh, yeah. Okay. It, it's it's one of those drawing room plays that that were very popular at that time. I mean, the the play came out in the eighteen hundreds as well, and it's just I don't know. It, it's it's a bit pedestrian the play. I've seen it on stage, and it doesn't move very well. Okay. You know, and, and, and when, you, when you decide to make your Dracula movie and base it on, on the play, you, you, you're coming up against a whole host of problems. And you're just lucky that there are one or two scenes in the play. There's this one and there's another one later on in the movie that, that kind of carry you through a little bit. Well, at the dinner party, um, they're discussing the ship's log. They found a word, Nosferatu. Mm-hmm. Dracula describes what it really means. And meanwhile, throughout this, he's smirming his way into Mina's heart. <laughs> it's a great performance, isn't it? From Frank. Yeah, it is. It is, yeah. Mm-hmm. And the uh, butler, I guess you'd call him, cuts his finger. Mm-hmm. Dracula is transfixed by the sight of the blood, but he manages to control himself. Yeah, it's a bit more than the, the butler does. He just bleeds all over the food. <laughs> I'd be more concerned with that, to be honest with you. Um, not... Dracula's too busy transfixed by the sight of Jan Francis. <laughs> oh, he is, isn't he? As they're talking over drinks, Mina feels faint. Mm-hmm. But we're kind of led to believe that it's the Count that's making her feel faint. Yeah, and I love the I love the um, the notion in this scene that it 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 is it's got that quintessentially British thing of Johnny Foreigner, hasn't it? Where they all look at him. Like, you know, he's a bit quaint and a bit funny, you know? Right, right. Especially because they make fun of him, like, buying the castle. Yeah, and, you know. yeah. They kind of look down on him a little bit. It's that, that very British thing of looking at, down at Johnny Foreigner kind of thing. And as, as Mina faints, Jack says, oh, get the laudamon. But Count Drax says, no, it'll taint the blood. So he hypnotizes her instead. He does and talks about how she can be under his control, which upsets Lucy. Mm-hmm. Um, She's a modern woman, as we've pointed out. <laughs> he says the line, when I will you to do a thing, it will be done. I think I'll use that at some point. Do you think I'll work on the wife? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> good luck with that. I didn't say whose wife. Well, that's a good point. Yeah. So then they have a dance, don't they? Yes, they have. Well, the, before they have the dance, Mina recovers. No one seems a bit surprised how quickly she recovers or how well she suddenly feels. No, and... You've got to wonder at this point, you know, is Seward actually a doctor? Um, that worry will actually increase later <laughs> yes. on in the film. He doesn't do a lot of doctoring, does he? <laughs> in fact, at one point he does the opposite of what I would call doctoring. <laughs> the funny thing is I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, Dracula and Lucy dance, and we can see that Jonathan is starting to become jealous of Lucy's infatuation with Dracula. She's a bit of a goer, isn't she? Yeah, she wastes no time. Mm. She's, I like the actress, actually. Uh, what else has she been in? Uh... Oh, God. Colin expects Paul to do research. <laughs> I know she's South African. I think. Okay, so 
<laughs> narrowed her down to a area. Well, I like her. That's you know. As in her performance, As her, her performance, work. her work, and she's not painful to the eye. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Probably shouldn't have said that, really. Should I? <laughs> well, we'll leave it in. People are used to it now. Yeah. So the evening goes on, and then finally Dracula's carriage takes him away. And at night, Lucy leaves her bed with, from Mina, goes downstairs to find Jonathan. Jonathan frightens over surprise, but they kiss outside. Unknowns to them, they are being watched by Dracula from a parapet up above. I'm not being funny, but if I snuck up on my wife and made her jump like that, she'd kick me in the bollocks. Yeah, but she'd probably do that anyway, even if you didn't surprise her. <laughs> yes, if I, if I just speak to her. <laughs> so while they're outside, mm-hmm. smooching, Dracula climbs face down the outside of the building. It's a very weird effect, but it looks cool. It is. It's a nice effect. And did you know as well that it, this is only the second time? Because this this moment is in the book, right. and it's only the second time it's ever been put onto um, film. Do you know what the first time was? Uh, Love bites. Nope. It was Scars of Dracula. Oh, was it? I don't. Did you watch? It. Did you watch that movie? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it looks better in this one. Yes, it does look better in this one. <laughs> and I love I love when he gets down to the window, when he looks through the window at her. It's kind of a creepy moment because he's literally upside down, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah, yeah. And um, he's clawing at the glass. Yeah, and Mina wakes up and she sees his hand, and at first she's scared. Mm-hmm. And then when he starts to break in, she seems to become controlled by him, and she starts to undo her top to reveal her neck. Mm-hmm. She's under his power now. Yeah. A dark house. And Lucy and Jonathan just jokingly dismiss it. Mm-hmm. And then that's where we leave Mina. But later, Lucy returns to the bedroom, gets into bed, and covers Mina up. Yeah. So this whole thing, when he when he comes through the window, I, again, this is a, a another cliched moment, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not as cliched as it, as a moment later in the in the film, when he kind of does the same thing again. Right. But... I, I I just think it it looks really really good though. It looks gothic. It looks um, it looks cinematic. You don't agree? Yeah, I know. I think this film you've used cinematic like five times so far. But it is a very cinematic movie, I think. <laughs> well, let's hope so. It's a piece of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the Queen. All right, don't be pedantic. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, no. Visually, it's a very nice looking film. Mm-hmm. I still wish I'd seen it and its original form, but it's, it is a very gorgeous-looking film. I'm sure it'll probably turn up one day when John Badham's dead. Wait, wait, he's not dead already. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's not dead, is he? Because he directs like a lot of CW shows, doesn't he? He, he? he does a lot of Arrow and The Flash and things like that. Retrospection, the most researched podcast. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure I've seen his name on Arrow. Although by the time people listen to this... He could well. The situation may have yeah. changed. No one knows. Who knows? Because we're in the future. Yeah, well, the internet, you can listen to this whenever. Yeah, all right. A time of recording. Mm-hmm. He's still alive. He may, possibly, because I haven't checked. <laughs> yes, and we're not going to. <laughs> no, we're just going to leave it out there. Yeah, let, let other people uh, do the research. So back at the castle. Mm-hmm. Is it Renfield? I keep forgetting his name. Renfield, yeah. 
He wakes up, doesn't he? Back in the castle, Renfield wakes up, and he remembers he's been attacked by a bat, and he's kind of like crazy now. He's desperate for water, and then he sees a cockroach and eats it. I mean, I know we're in Yorkshire, but the food's not that bad, is it? We're not really in Yorkshire, because we've been in Yorkshire, you put it in a pie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'd, I'd say something about Greg's, but I don't want to get sued. No. So he turns and is startled by Dracula. Dracula demands his loyalty, and Renfield kind of obeys. And he takes him under his wing, doesn't he? Literally. Yes. And then we cut to a scene in the village, which is like a Hovis ad. Yeah, we're down pits, aren't we? <laughs> we are. Aye, lad. Aye. Aye, aye. Oh. I think someone actually says, where's that water? <laughs> <laughs> which means water, for anyone listening. <laughs> In the morning, Lucy's awakened by Mina being unable to breathe. She is, she's choking. She yells for help, and her father, Jack Seward, the medical practitioner, runs into the room to help. And his years of medical training leave him to help Mina by grasping her head and bouncing it up and down, and then slaps her. Yeah, what is he, he doing? He shakes her, he slaps her, then he shakes her again. Like, then he oh. slaps her again. Yeah, she can't breathe. With her head. What, what's he doing? Doesn't at one point he shouts in her face, breathe! Yeah, like, <laughs> she, like she'd forgotten. Like she was going to go, oh yeah, that's what it wasn't doing. I get, do you think he's got one of those internet diplomas? Uh, you know what I'm saying? I think he wishes he had an internet diploma. Like... <laughs> I was going to mention it later, but we might as well say it now. Donald Pleasant's performance in this. It's very, very um, idiosyncratic is probably the right word to use, isn't it? Yeah, I, I, I do wonder what order this was filmed in, like whether he met Lawrence Olivier and did a scene with him and then thought, oh, shit, this guy's turning it up to 25. <laughs> well, have you noticed that he always he, he likes to always hold a prop in his hand? So he's, he's either got... Like a, he's always eating food, isn't he? He's always got a bag of sweets or, right, and it, he's munching on. And apparently that was his thing, because he realised quite early on in his career that if he had a prop in his hand, it was far more difficult for them to cut his stuff out of the movie because of continuity. Oh, excellent, I like yeah. that. That's fun. <laughs> so yeah, props are very important to actors. So I guess that's a good point. I never thought it'd be though that you don't get cut out of the scene mm-hmm. because I mean, it would ruin the continuity. Yeah, I mean he's he's constantly sucking on a boiled sweet through, throughout this movie, so that's going to make it difficult in its own for her own number of reasons, isn't it? Yeah. So he knew what he was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Apparently, infuriated Lawrence Olivier as well. Oh, he's got his own issues. We'll get yeah, well, to he, that. yeah, well, he liked to be the center of attention. So, yeah. So, Mina, Jan Francis, the lovely Jan Francis, mm-hmm. dies mm-hmm. because of Jack's lack of medical skills. <laughs> You're blaming him, are you? Totally. <laughs> Lucy this, survives. This film's took a dark turn. Suddenly, <laughs> I think he killed her. You think he killed her? Yeah. Negligence. Yes, totally. Well, Van Helsing should sue. That's what happens when you get a Tory government. Ooh, political. I'm doing it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stop that. It's a film podcast. <laughs> Jack sees two puncture wounds in Mina's neck. Lucy, meanwhile, is losing it, and Jack asks Jonathan to get her out of the room. Mm-hmm. 
and Jack sends a telegram for Van Helsing, Muna's dad. And then it's the next day. Yeah. They're having breakfast. Yeah. Jack's just like, I don't know what his problem is, but he's really shoving food in his face. Donald Pleasance is doing what you said, eating, but it's like going everywhere. <laughs> he's got he's got the, the most disgusting fry up that you've ever seen in your life. It's all watery. <laughs> it's, it's disgusting. It's like he's eating custard. <laughs> Those eggs aren't cooked properly, are they? Let's face no, it. No, no. It's like, no, he should be the one that's ill. He maybe, knew exactly maybe, oh, what he was doing. Maybe that's why Mina died. <laughs> Salmonella. Yeah. It was just badly <laughs> cooked food killed our lovely Jan Francis. <laughs> you see her again, though, yeah? She's not okay. as lovely, though, when you see her again. <laughs> yeah, it's a matter of opinion. So. Wow. <laughs> you worked through that one, did you? and they're discussing the wounds on mina's neck Mm -hmm. um jack doesn't seem to be interested he doesn't does he he's not (laughs) i really don't like his name who jack seward apart from the weird surname i don't like the fact it's called jack because it sounds like a young person i'm talking about it's funny you should say that because i think in the book he is a lot younger Oh, it just sounds like... I know, I know, obviously... And he's not related to anybody. He's not related to any of the um, the leads, the female characters in the... In the book. In the story, in the book, no. I mean, obviously, Jacks get old, so I, I'm making... I'm talking nonsense, but it just feels like a young person's name. I know what you mean. It's like calling an old guy Billy, isn't it? Yeah, it's weird. Mm-hmm, yeah. yeah. So later, Jonathan drives to Dracula's castle... Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to pass over the deeds to get Draco to sign them. And he enters the cobwebbed and spooky house. And the door shuts behind him. So Jonathan starts to call out if anybody is home and he shouts for Count Dracula. He said, Dracula? <laughs> Count Dracula? <laughs> I wish we'd been watching Count Dracula. <laughs> I like Count Dracula. <laughs> My favourite cartoon. <laughs> What did he used to drink in Camp Docula? Because he couldn't drink blood in it because he's a vegetarian vampire, right? So was it tomato sauce? It was, yeah, I think it was something like that. It, it was, was tomato sauce. juice or something. Tomato like juice, yeah. yeah. Oh, I used to love Camp Docula. Yeah, I wish we'd done well, that. Unfortunately, we're not, we're not doing Camp Docula. No, okay. Um, so, Dracula suddenly <laughs> appears fairly close by. <laughs> no, when, he, when he's shouting his name, he's calling for him. And then he just pops up, doesn't he? Yeah. He's got that look on his face that says he's just been caught doing something he shouldn't have been doing. And a face you know too well. What do you mean by that? Interestingly enough, Dracula <laughs> knows about Mina's death already. Jonathan hands over the original deed for Dracula to sign and some customs farms for the crates, which, suspiciously, only contain dirt. No, 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 you've got it wrong. You know, you're saying it wrong. Why? You need to say it like the guy earlier on in the film. Dirt. Okay. Dracula gets around the idea of him having crates of dirt by saying that he's a botanist. Yes. Now, I'm not an expert in botany. I like a plant now and again, but I'm pretty sure botanists don't carry dirt around or bring it to them when they move house. Yeah, not certainly not great big crates of it. No. With with the name Count Dracula stenciled on the side of it. Well, he has to have his name so it gets to his house. Yeah, all right, that's a fair comment. But um, (laughs) Hacker doesn't seem to 
worry about this. Jonathan Herker doesn't have a problem at all. Well, I mean, he he doesn't come across as the kind of guy that knows what a botanist is, let well, alone what see, he does. So you just think, oh, Latin must must make sense. Yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. All right. Dracula asks Jonathan if she would hand over an invitation for losing her father for dinner. And he, he knows that Jonathan is going to be leaving to go back to some other place. I can't remember. Is it London? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. So Harker says, yeah, okay. And he's driving away, and then he's suddenly surprised by Renfield, who's in his car and grabs him. Yeah, he, he's asking for help, while at the same time punching him in the face. He hasn't thought this through, has he? <laughs> No, he's got a strange way of asking for help. They yeah. struggle, and Jonathan manages to knock him down. Mm-hmm. And, but because Renfield is, seems apparently crazy at this point, he is taken to Seward's Asylum. Well, well, that's the only place to take him. I mean, there's only three places in this entire town, isn't there? Yeah, what is that with Dracula films? There's, it only appears to be no more than three locations. We saw this in Scares of Dracula, too. Yes. <laughs> Although at least that had a reason. I mean, it was... You, you could kind of believe that because they weren't supposed to be in the middle of nowhere, weren't they, in Scars and Dracula? But in this one, they're in Whitby, yeah, which right. is a town. <laughs> a town in Yorkshire. That is true, yeah. yeah. Which seems to consist of... Oh, no, no, there's four places. You've got the Abbey. Yeah. You've got the Asylum. Yeah. You've got the Woodland area where they drive through a lot. Okay, and I guess you've got the beach. You've got the beach. No, that's oh, another yeah. one. And the mine. And the mine. Yeah, or don't pit. Don't pit. So it's quite. I can't, even, I, I can't even say it properly anymore. I used to be able to do that. But when you were down the pit. Don't pit. Don't pit. That's how you do it, isn't it? I've forgotten. I've forgotten how to be northern. Oh god. <sighs> Female beers, and you'll remember. <laughs> I forgot my roots. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> no balding joke. Wow. Oh, it was in my mind. I just decided not to do it. <laughs> I was going to say you're off your game tonight, aren't you? <laughs> oh, I, just, I just decided no. No, we won't go there. So we go to the next day. And it's hard mm-hmm. to tell the days because it's always dark in this film. There's no, no sun. <laughs> so you can tell it's in the north. You've got, a problem. You've got a severe problem with the darkness in this film, haven't you? Well, it's just... it's just. I mean, I know it's an effect he's going for. It's just, you know... Dark? Yeah. So there's a funeral for Mina, and it's a very dour mm-hmm. affair. Lucy cries. And... and we get we get another McCoy sighting. We do, we do, we do. Did you write mm-hmm. it down in your book? I did, yeah. I made a note. Excellent. Yes. Do you remember I Spy Books? I do, yeah. It's a tangent, isn't it? It is, yeah. I remember those very well. I used to yeah. have them for car journeys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, it was boring, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm not really sure I liked them. The fact that I don't think about them until now and I've never wanted to revisit that I Spy book tells me that I didn't really enjoy it. Well, I mean, we had we didn't have internet back then, did we? What were we going to do? I Spy books. Exactly. Yeah. You know. So, Jonathan Hacker talks to Lucy and he wants her to come with him away, mm-hmm. but she won't but she, go. She blows him off, doesn't she? She does, and he leaves in a huff. And that's at the point where, when he starts, when he's doing the angry bit, that's when I was like, oh, he's supposed to be Northern. Yes, he, he, he did get all Northern for about two seconds, didn't yes. he? So, maybe, maybe, maybe he's Northern, but he spent a lot of time down south, and then he's come back. You know what, though? If, I bet if you ask Trevor Eve, I bet that's what he would say, because he's that type of actor. You reckon? 
Yeah. Now, what was the TV show that he was in? Shoestring. Was Shoestring, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. But he quit because he didn't want to get trapped into a long-running TV series. <laughs> and How then, did that work out for him? <laughs> then he never worked until he got um, Waking the Dead. Oh, yes, he's in that, isn't he? And then yes. he realised that having a paycheck is quite a good idea. <laughs> it's funny how that happens in old age, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And I, yeah. I'm not making that up. He, he he talked about that in an interview I watched once. Oh, I couldn't completely believe it. Yeah. He seems like my mm-hmm. inclined. So Jack tells his daughter that Van Helsing is arriving from Paris and that they won't be able to make the dinner invitation at Count Dracula's. Lucy was unaware of the invitation and she says, well, I'll go to Dracula's on my own. Mm-hmm. Van Helsing arrives at the train station and is greeted by Jack. Helsing wants to know mm. what has happened. Why did his daughter die? And he asks Seward to explain everything. Now, Lawrence Olivier has decided to go for an accent. He has, hasn't he? And he's going 110%. Oh, yes, he's uh, he's he's going... Uh, one would almost say that he's, uh, he's created an accent. Yeah, I do wonder, like, if... Like two actors when they meet for the first time in a scene, if they haven't like rehearsed or know what the other person is doing, it must be really off-putting when the other person starts just like blurting out in this extreme accent. You must be like, oh, is he going to do this for the whole <laughs> film? Especially two actors that that like to be the center of the camera. Yeah, yeah. You know, it must have been awkward. Mm. I can't imagine it was yeah. all easygoing. Well, from all accounts, Olivier wasn't wasn't no. easygoing at all, was he? He he right. he was Lawrence Olivier. Yeah. He was Sir Lawrence Olivier, and he would, you know, he wanted everything the way that he yeah. wanted it. Yeah, no, he he was very ill when 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 he made this. Um, he had a weird disease. What overacting? <laughs> well, I suppose I suppose. <laughs> what was wrong with him? He had um. He had a, a disease that meant that he would bleed from his fingers for uncontrollably for no reason at all. Like the slightest little thing could set it off. What kind of disease is that? <laughs> it's a very strange disease to have on a vampire movie, isn't it? See, again, he, wa- he wanted to be centre of attention. Yeah, I think he just made this up. Yes. <laughs> but apparently that's why he wears gloves a lot in the movie. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So meanwhile, Lucy arrives at Count Dracula's and she enters and we get a shot that is from the top of the ceiling going downwards mm-hmm. through a spider's web with a spider walking across it. It's a really mm-hmm. nice shot. It is a nice shot. And and when she opens those doors and you get the full breadth of, of the inside of that abbey, it's an amazing set. I mean, it's not that was literally all built. Yeah, it's a big castle. It is. Oh, here we go. <laughs> potato, potato is what they say, isn't it? Come on, that's no. your neck of the woods, isn't it? You know all like that. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> Seward tells Van Helsing what has been happening. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, Lucy and Dracula talk about death. Hey. Don't like they talk about, he, he's talking about death. That He tells her he is the last in his line, a conquering race that has gone. Oh, I just thought you meant deaf. No, what? Like, you can't hear? Yeah, speak up. Well, he is old. He's a thousand years old. <laughs> Maybe that's his problem. Well, the hearing's going. 
Sorry? The hearing is going. Pardon? Hang on a minute. Didn't I do that joke first? Yeah, then I did it. You fell for it. (laughs) (laughs) Damn. Didn't think you would, but you did. Yeah. Story of my life, isn't it? At the asylum, there's a scream and a woman jumps out the window. Yes. (laughs) And another woman chases her yelling that she's murdered my baby. And the baby has two puncture holes. It's quite a shocking shot, isn't it? When you see the baby lying on the floor in a pool of blood. Yeah. I forgot your uh, got the heart of stone there, Colin. (laughs) (laughs) I, I always find it shocking. I have to say. You're a big baby. Van Helsing listens to the description of the killer. The woman claims it was Mina that killed the baby, even though she knows Mina was buried the day before. Yeah. wonder what that means. Yeah, she's an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) She's been at the bottle. (laughs) Mina's dead. Well, in all fairness, compared to a lot of the other people in this asylum, she's quite sane, this woman. Yeah. I mean, at one point, there's a guy running around with a pig head on. In one shot. Oh, you see that? Mr. Pighead. Yeah. What's he in for? Where's the rest of the pig? That's what I want to know. Maybe he just likes parking. I'm pretty sure it's not kosher, I have to say. Okay. Got any more pig gags? Nope. I'm all out. <laughs> I'm hogtied. <laughs> oh, you're like a pig and shit, aren't you? Yeah, I'm a swine. <laughs> you're crackling along. Oh, now you're just ruining it. <laughs> now I'm breaking out the puns. God, we're... <laughs> We're on our last legs here, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. Back at the castle, and we, we keep cutting between Lucy and Dracula and the events at the asylum. So Lucy and Dracula are talking, and then he kisses her, and he eyes her neck like a succulent steak. He wants a nibble, doesn't he? He does. He does, but he, he holds back. He apologises. He does, doesn't he? He's a very polite vampire. Is he polite, or is he just playing with her? Winning her over by pretending to be polite, you know, the way you used to do. <laughs> wow, that's, uh, that's a bit of a low blow, isn't it? That's what you told her. Well, I married her. So, yeah, he apologizes, mm-hmm. but then she kisses him back, which is what he wants. He wants her to chase him. Oh, so you're saying that it's all, it's all a big show? Yeah, because he didn't do this with Mina. He didn't do this with the lovely Jan Francis. Yeah, but you could, you could argue that the, the reason why he does it with um, with Lucy is that he actually feels something for her. An erection? Well, he feels her erection. Yeah. I mean, I know she's got a deep voice, but come on. Um, yeah, you could say that. I think that he does feel something for her, but I think it's because she's a challenge. Yes, she's she's strong-willed, isn't she? Yeah, whereas Mina was, was easy. Like butter. Dracula tells her to leave, but she wants to stay. Mm-hmm. In the morning, Jack finds Van Helsing poring over books. He's been up all night reading his big bumper book of vampires, hasn't he? No, no, a book of bats, apparently. Book, it's not even okay. vampires, it's just a book of bats. He only got up to B in the books. <laughs> v is the long way away. He's having trouble turning the pages because every time he touches them, he starts bleeding from the fingers. Oh, yeah, was he wearing gloves on those scenes? Oh, that's probably someone else's hands, right? Yes. <laughs> standing. Try acting, dear boy. Oh, yes, Marathon Man. So, afterwards, Lucy finds Van Helsing sitting outside of Mina's grave. Mm-hmm. She finds he has laid garlic plants over a grave. Yeah, and he starts to tell her about vampires, doesn't he? Yeah, he tells her, like, talking about astral planes and metaphysical objects and vampires mm-hmm. and 
And she thinks he's a bit of a nut job, or does she? Ah, because she, you know, because she's she's starting. To, I think she's at this point she's starting to think that there's something up with Dracula, isn't there? That he's not completely normal. Mm-hmm. Right, and but when uh, Van Helsing starts talking about people who live after death by drinking the blood of others, she's horrified. Now, is she horrified because she finds that disgusting, or is she horrified because the thought of it for her being one of those disgusts herself? I think it's. I think it, the implication is it disgusts herself. That's a very Victorian notion again, isn't it? That you know the, the all through the Dracula story uh, and in this film is the idea that you know only the Victorian man can set the Victorian woman back on the right path, kind of thing. Wasn't there also this idea of um, the, a woman's menstruation period was? The letting of blood is to do with vampires, and it's that it's that disgustingness that the Victorians didn't like. Yes, probably. Yeah, I would imagine that that plays into it as well. Back then, right. it played into it. I would have yeah. thought. Mm-hmm. So Van Helsing gives her a cross necklace, not a, not an angry necklace, not a necklace that's got issues. I mean, a necklace that contains a cross. <laughs> <laughs> it's going. Put me on now. <laughs> I'll take you on, no vampire. Hey up, lad! Come on. <laughs> Yeah, not an angry necklace, just a necklace that contains a cross. Mm-hmm. He tells her that Mina would have wanted her to wear it always, and Lucy puts it on. Mm-hmm. Then Dracula arrives at the grave. Now, an interesting fact about this scene is that... Um, I'll decide oh, that. Yes. An interesting fact about this scene is that all of um, Langella's close-ups were filmed weeks after they did the, the wide shots. And he's literally acting to nobody because everyone else, everyone else had gone at that point. Olivier was, was, um, had taken ill at that point. And uh, the actress wasn't available anymore because she'd moved on to another job. So he literally was on a horse, stood in a field. It wasn't even the field with the, with the graveyard, just a field somewhere. And they got those shots of the close-ups that they needed. Well, he does a damn fine job. It does. It's seamless. You wouldn't. You would never know. It's the magic I, of cinema. I I did not know till you told me right now. Hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah. Dracula sees a necklace that Van Helsing has given her. <laughs> he has a look on his face, doesn't he? Bloody do-gooders. He's not happy. And then um, Dracula says that he's there just to pay respects to Mina's grave, and Jack and Lucy leave him mm-hmm. and enter the house. Inside the house, Van Helsing watches through the window and he sees that Dracula's horse is rearing and Dracula can't approach Mina's grave because Dracula has a fear of herbs. So he's, he's, I wanted to ask you this because I'm pretty sure you would know. Because you know nothing about herbs. I don't know. This is what I'm saying. And vegetables. Garlic. Garlic. Is it a herb or is it a vegetable? Why would I know that? Am I, am I French? <laughs> I just presume that you'd know you'd know about this stuff. You cook, don't you? Yeah, I don't ask. Well, actually, you know what? There's a whole internet pages discussion about whether it's a herb or a vegetable. And, and what's the general opinion? Oh, it's a lily. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lily. I always presumed it was a root vegetable. It's like an onion, a shallot, and a leek. It's a member of the lily family. So, do you think an onion would work on a? On a vampire, then. Can you imagine that if a vampire was approached and you pulled out a leak? <laughs> Would it only work on Welsh vampires? Yes. 
maybe maybe that's the thing. Maybe you know, onion vampires work on French people. Onion vampires. Okay. I'll say that again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it, it's location based. So you know, onions work on French vampires. Mm-hmm. You know, leeks work on Welsh vampires. Mm-hmm. Garlic seems to work on Transylvanian vampires. I'm not too sure about that one. Right. So what, what would be the British one then? Tin of baked beans. No, I don't know. Um, oh. Kebab. <laughs> yeah, so far, two things that aren't really traditionally British. Um, fish and chips. Well, you're saying that, but didn't we invent um, chicken korma? No, chicken tikka masala. There you go. Yeah. Do that, wouldn't it? Because that's yeah. quintessentially British. And has garlic, just in case, you know, the vampire has a little history of other countries in his background cover your bases you know you can't yeah. be too careful with these foreigners can you <laughs> what wow it's like talking to a victorian man well i'm in character you know i'm, I'm in uh, i'm in the i'm in the zone of the film that's what i'm right. saying right okay yeah. van helsing tells seward of his thoughts about vampires and so it is mm-hmm. like oh there's no such thing as vampires mm-hmm. and we cut to lucy brushing her hair before bed and she takes the necklace off because she wants to doesn't she I, yeah, I wondered that too, if that was the yeah. reason. At this point, I think she's given in. Okay. So Jack Seward and Van Helsing visit the graveyard, mm-hmm. and they use the white horse to find the vampire grave. Yeah, apparently the horse is a vampire detective now. Yeah. Who knew? He's been wrangled by uh, Sylvester McCoy. That's true. That's true. And he gets a line, doesn't he? He does, which is? He says, I can't get hold of him. And it's beautifully delivered in the way that only Sylvester McCoy can do. It is, yeah. He's, he, he says it while he's banging his spoons on his knee. <laughs> I do hope that's not a euphemism, Paul. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that in Doctor Who, wasn't there? Yeah, I, Banging his spoons I, on his knee. <laughs> yeah, let, all serious at the moment. All seriousness. All right, here we go. Go on, then. I never really had a problem with Sylvester McCoy as Doctor Who. Neither did I. Well, that was a short conversation. I no, but he was rubbish. I mean, he couldn't act, could he? But he was good at Doctor Who. Well, yeah. I mean, he was likable. I think he's probably and the best. He thing brought a certain say. level of eccentricity. I think he should. Hey, do you know what? But, uh, you know what? He, he brought a, a children's BBC style of acting to Doctor Who. Yes. <laughs> well, that's the point, isn't it? That that I think sometimes they try to give him. They tried to give him the kind of dramatic stuff that they do now in modern Who, but he wasn't very good at it. Right. You know, they tried to do the whole um, mysterious. They tried to bring back the mysteriousness of Doctor Who with him, didn't they? That that there, there were there were things about the Doctor that you didn't know. Right. And and he tried to play it, but he just wasn't very good at doing it. And there's a great there's a great moment in I think it's called Battlefield where he runs into the middle of a big fight and holds his arms up and says, "There will be no fighting here today" or something like that, and it's dreadful. Hmm. Okay, but that's enough Doctor Who. But in two podcast time, you can join us for a Doctor Who one. Oh, you're always on point, aren't you? <laughs> That sounded far more rehearsed than what it was. <laughs> so the horse is digging at the soil with frenzy. Mm-hmm. And we keep cutting to Lucy, and Lucy's sitting on her bed, and then outside fog appears the window, and Dracula appears. The window's it's, it's... open, 
and he steps it's in. It's amazing, amazingly gothic, isn't it? Yeah. Are they cinematic and gothic the only two words you're going to do in this podcast? Well, this film is both cinematic and gothic. Is it gothic and cinematic? No, it's cinematic and gothic. Oh, okay. So he bursts in and he tells her that she will cross land and sea to do his bidding. What? And he takes her hands. Mm-hmm. Is there something in the sky? You, you just suddenly looked up. No, 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 there was a fly over there. <laughs> I saw something move and I thought, like, what's that? Any minute now, I expected your tongue to just unfurl and catch it. And no, no. <laughs> it was a moth. It was a moth. Oh, you don't, you don't do moths, just flies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're right. Too salty. Yeah. He undoes her clothes and flips his cape off. I beg your pardon, <laughs> Mrs. That's what he does. I hope he's going to clean it up. No, that's someone else. That's that's uh, uh what's his name? Renfield. That's Renfield's job. You have probably Renfield's I name. I remember you? his name. I don't know why. It just blocked it. <laughs> He's a big part of the whole Dracula story, you know. The original story? Oh, any back Dracula story. <laughs> is he in Scares of Dracula? No, but we have a Renfield type, don't we? Oh, then, then I don't care. Well, we've got Patrick, Patrick Troughton plays a Renfield type, doesn't he? Yeah, Scar- but he's not called Renfield. No, I think he's called Clove, isn't he? Yeah, which is, isn't that a kind of herb? <laughs> That's a really odd thing for Dracula to do. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't put his name properly on the application form when he went for the job. Maybe it's one of those things where you know how they say that if there's a bullet with your name on, and if you own the bullet with your name on, you'll never be killed. Oh, so that's why he hired him. Yeah, because he's called Clove. He's like a right. herb. So, if, yeah. Funnily enough, this would have been a lot funnier in the Scars of Dracula podcast that we did. Yeah, it would have been. It was just a fart. Plus, yeah. you know, is Clove a herb? Don't know. It might be a flower, and then we're all looking ridiculous. You know what you need to do? You need to do George Lucas and do a special oh, edition. Go back. <laughs> Scares of Dracula special edition where we talk about clove. <laughs> yeah, we could do that. <laughs> like you haven't got enough to do. Yeah. <laughs> Dracula picks Lucy up and carries her to the bed. I need your blood. They kiss. He bites her neck. And now we get, like, it's all red and it all gets very metaphysical. <laughs> the swirling lights and then this rubber bat flutters by and they're no longer on the bed, but they're in some other world and they're, they're, they're kissing and the bat's watching. He's just perving away this bat. And, and <laughs> for some reason, it all becomes like the end of the black hole. It, it does go It does go a bit uh, bit off the cuff at this point, doesn't it? Now, see, this is, this is something that this movie gets criticised for a lot. They call it Disco Dracula. Oh, Disco Dracula. Now, I'd actually like to see Disco Dracula. <laughs> yes. But with... Oh! See, John Bazzam's Saturday Night Fever. Exactly. And and the whole effect is created by using this laser light that, that he used in Saturday Night Fever, where he just puts the light behind them and then films them in front of it. Oh, okay. You know, he, he, he'd found something in Saturday Night Fever and he was going to use it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would like a Disco Dracula. I would like it to be called Disco Dracula. That sounds cool. Disco Dracula. Get on it. After yeah. you finish writing the uh, Carry On Mannequin script. Yeah, do Disco Dracula. Disco Dracula, yeah. There's got to be scenes, though, with some of them on roller skates. I don't know why, <laughs> but for some reason, that's what I want. And Dra- Dracula's got a massive afro. 
Absolutely, of course. Yeah. Oh, I oh, know, well, because that's been done in Blackula. Yeah, but we'd make it bigger. The Afro bigger or... Okay. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, well, the Afro, but generally speaking, because we've written it, we'd make it bigger. Oh, yeah, no, I like that. Okay, so end the podcast. Let's go right there. <laughs> but I, I don't think that this, this whole sequence looks that bad. Oh, I don't. It's... I don't mind it. I just. I just think it's. It's suddenly out of the blue. Yeah, it is. You know, once you, you you incorporate, you know, the John Williams score. As well as the visuals, it it looks. It, I mean, it takes you in, into a place that you're not expecting, for this film. Mm-hmm. I think, and um, I haven't got a problem with it at all. I mean, as I say, it got a lot of criticism. Dracula scratches himself. And lifts her head to his chest and she starts to drink his blood. He says, have a suck on this, love, doesn't he? I don't think he says that. Does he not? No. I thought he said that. Maybe in your world. I'm not being funny, but if if this was real life and he did that, she'd suddenly get a headache and want to go to sleep, wouldn't she? Meanwhile, outside... (laughs) Van Helsing takes the lid off the coffin and tells Jack to hold up the cross... Mm-hmm. The coffin, which should contain Mina's body, is empty. empty. And there's a big hole in the ground, isn't there? Yeah, she's escaped through the bottom and into the mines that run underneath. Mm-hmm. Van Helsing mm-hmm. goes down into the mine and there's bones and rats. And he trips and loses his cross in a puddle. It's not a very deep puddle, is it? No, no, he could have found it quite easily, but he <laughs> flaps around like a loony. <clears throat> and then in the reflection of the water, he sees his undead daughter, Mina, approaching him. Ah, now you see, this This is controversial. Ah, because she has a reflection. Yes. But I think John Badham just thought, it looks good, so I'm going to do it. You know what? I I didn't think about that. I mean, yeah, you're right, she wouldn't have a reflection, especially because mm-hmm. of later. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought of that. You're right. But at the time, I, I, I instantly went, oh, I like that. That's a good yeah. shot. I like and the I th- way they've I th- done that. Yeah. I think that's exactly why he did it, because he, he came up with the idea and he thought it looked good. I'm going to do it, even uh, though it doesn't make any sense at all. The Ridley Scott style of filming. Yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, the Romans wouldn't do that. Yeah, but it looks good. Just film it. <laughs> <laughs> so she goes to bite him. Mm-hmm. But Seward suddenly appears from nowhere with a cross and presses it against her head. Smoke rises from Mina's forehead. You get a good old cross burn. You can't go wrong with a good old cross burn in a vampire movie. No, you can't. No, no. They all, they've all got to contain one. Even that great vampire film with Leslie Nielsen had one. Did it really? I, I don't know. I'm sure it did. <laughs> <laughs> Again, another hastily (laughs) delivered fact. Yeah, right. And Van Helsing frosts. I beg your pardon. Van Helsing just does some frosting for 20 minutes. (laughs) So what what does he put? I know he he puts a stake for her, but where does he get it from? Is it like the wood holding up the mine or something? No, he goes down with it under his arm, doesn't he? Oh, he's got it with him? Yeah, he brings it with him. Okay. He's had the foresight to, to whittle a huge wooden stake. Okay. And then he frosts it through his daughter. He does. Which is, you know, horrifying on many accounts. 
<laughs> yeah. It's his daughter. I'm, not, get, I'm not getting into this. <laughs> you, you keep going. No, but it's his daughter. He's Would you like his... the shovel? Would you like the no, shovel? he's already as deep as he can get. Oh. He's killed his daughter. He has, and he starts wailing. He does, he does. And, I, no, uh, I don't mean he starts shooting great, great harpoon, big... Uh... Harpooning fish. No, no. <laughs> a joke that we've done, like, what, three podcasts in a row now? Hey, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Harker arrives at the asylum late at night. Yeah. yeah. He knocks on Lucy's door and finds her laying sideways on the bed. Her body is cold. Well, she's uh, she's had a tough night. Yes, she has. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Flo- um, floating around in disco land with yes, Dracula. And, <laughs> and Seward and Vance Helsing happen to arrive and they running and they see the puncture holes and they realize she's been drained of blood and that one of them will have to give her a transfusion. Suddenly Seward's medical skills are slightly better this time when it's his daughter that's involved. I did like the fact that, that there is a line that one of them says that, oh, I hope one of us has got the right type. Yes. Because usually in Dracula movies, they, they, they never address that. They just transfuse blood left, right and center. Doesn't matter. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. There's never usually any kind of um, acknowledgement that there's different blood types in, in vampire movies. Well, it turns out that Jonathan has the right blood type. Although, how did they figure that out? I guess they just asked, I suppose. Do, they, do people know what the blood types are in 1913? Well, let's just say yes. No. Let's just okay. say yes. So while Jonathan is giving blood, Van Helsing has got Walter to rub garlic everywhere. Yeah, um, Walter as in McCoy. Yeah, mm-hmm. another spotting. Put yep. it down in your books, everybody. Yeah, yeah, I did. So Van Helsing goes for a drink in another room, and Count Dracula enters. Helsing realizes that he cannot see the Count in the mirror, which Dracula then smashes. Putting uh, question marks over the previous scene of of uh, Lucy appearing in the puddle. Yes. Yes. Now this scene with Van Helsing and. Dracula is the other scene that I that I always think saves this play. You've got the scene that I mentioned earlier, the whole drawing room dinner scene, and this scene between Van Helsing and Dracula, which, which uh, if it wasn't for these two scenes, this play would be pretty pedestrian and quite dull. Hmm. Okay. So they, they have a face-off, and uh, Van Helsing says, I have prescribed something for Lucy and any... Pulls out some garlic. It'd be funny if he pulled out a carrot. He's like, oh, wait, no, there's other vegetables. Hold on one second. Dracula's like, it's not a vegetable, it's a lily. (laughs) The carrots for the were rabbit. Yeah, Yeah, he's just running through different ones. Yeah. Then, you know, seems to not affect Dracula too much. I mean, he runs away at first, but then he get some strength and he commands Van Helsing to approach him and Helsing is at first unable to resist and drops the garlic but then he summons strength and stops the summoning. Well he's Lawrence Olivier isn't he? That's true. Yes. As Dracula approaches Helsing takes out a cross on a kind of mirror shaped object. I'm not sure what it is. It's a cross design. I'm pretty sure it's probably some kind of religious thing that us being the godless heathens that we are we don't know what it is okay and this defeats dracula and he runs away jumps through a window and turns into a wolf it's a it's a very basic effect but it works nice doesn't it yeah because they split the screen using the wall of the building Mm -hmm. yeah 
So at this point, poor Jonathan Harker is completely confused by what's going on. Mm-hmm. So they decide to show him Mina's body. Mm-hmm. And lovely Jan Francis looks like she's sleeping. <laughs> what was going through your mind at this point? <laughs> no, um, scratch that. I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's not a crime in Transylvania. Oh, <laughs> I'm pretty sure it is. <laughs> Jonathan doesn't believe them, but when they show him a hand mirror that doesn't reveal Mina's reflection, Jonathan is finally convinced, which again leads to your point that why was Mina reflected in the water earlier? Yes. They reveal that the only way to kill her is to take her heart. Mm-hmm. So he gets his chopper out, doesn't he? Lucy's watching from the window, and she asks the maid that's supposed to be watching over her, to get a cup of tea. And the maid leaves, and then Lucy sneaks out. She does a runner. She She does. She's gone evil now, hasn't she? She has. Hmm? Jonathan returns and finds her gone, and they see the horse and carriage speeding away, and they give chase in the car. Which is why this is set in 1913. Why don't they just use horses? What's the whole car thing? I don't know. Do you not think it might have been a reaction against Hammer? Because you know, there's so many scenes in Hammer Dracula movies of people chasing each other on horseback. Right. That they just see, that John Baden probably thought. I, because I, I know for a fact that Frank Langella's whole. He, he had some stipulations about doing this movie. One of them was that there wouldn't be any fangs. You never see him with fangs. Oh, but you see Lucy with fangs. Yes, but you never see him with fangs. Oh, interesting. Yeah. You never see any blood dripping out of his mouth. It's a, it's a surprisingly bloodless film when you think about right. it for a, for a Dracula movie. And the other sti- stipulation was that he didn't want it to be anything like a Hammer movie. Okay. Didn't hmm, quite work out that way for him, but... <laughs> no, no. So they give Chase in the car, and in my notes, I'm sure Paul will find this very amusingly, I've written, they block her passage. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. I do find that amusing. <laughs> so they pull the car in front of a horse and carriage and stop her. And she tells Jonathan if they don't let her go, she will kill herself. And she loves a riding crop, doesn't she? <laughs> so, yeah, she does like a riding crop. And yeah. she's pretty nasty at this point. And then she faints. She does, yeah. So they decide that uh, Helsing and Herker will enter the castle. Mm-hmm. Seward will take Lucy back to the asylum. Yep. In the castle... Dracula beams in, doesn't he? Yeah, to find, you know, obviously Helsing and Herger breaking into some crates and finding soil. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's, there's a nice line because uh, Helsing says, I didn't think... How does he say something like, you, I, didn't, I didn't think we'd find you here? Mm. He says something. he underestimated his powers, doesn't he? he under, that's right. He says he underestimated his powers. And then Dracula says it's always light somewhere on Earth. Which, which is, it's one of those lines that, that all, that's all you need in a movie to explain something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it is. You know? it's, a, it's a great line. Mm-hmm. It's, it's brilliant. Yeah, it's good. Herker holds up the cross, but Dracula just burns it away. That's a great effect as well. I love it. I love a burning cross. Oh, hang on. Paul Woods, standing for you, Kip. <laughs> No, I mean, I love a burning cross effect in a vampire movie. Yeah. You see it a lot. You do. Yes. You do. <laughs> <laughs> can, can I pass you the shovel back? 
can indeed. Okay. It's going heavier every turn. It is, yeah. Dracula tells Hacker that he will have Lucy. Jonathan Hacker tries to hit Dracula with the shuffle, but Dracula turns into a bat. <laughs> Again, it's a good effect. When he just mm. he goes to hit him and he just pops into a bat, doesn't he? I mean, it's a mass. Yeah. It's a it's a quick cut, isn't it? It's yeah. how they do it. But it looks yeah. alright. Yeah. Okay. No, not as not as enamored with that one, are you? No. <laughs> Helsing starts chopping at beams, holding some of the foundations, and the bat attacks Hacker. Whereas the foundations are knocked away, a hole appears in the basement, bringing light within. Now, when it's attached, this is the the moment I was saying where it's attached to his face. It looks all right, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah, it looks fine. I think I think what they need to needed to do is not show the bat in close up when it's flying. Yeah, that's awful. It's just nailed nail to the camera. <laughs> it looks exactly like the bat in Skies of Dracula. <laughs> yeah, no improvement. Maybe really. it's on my age. Well, this was 79. When was Skies of Dracula? 72, was it? You're the, you're the one with the facts. Skies of Dracula was 1970, so this was a whole nine years later. So is nine years enough time to do a homage for something, you think? Hmm. Was there earlier Hammer films with bats in them, rubber bats? Possibly, probably, but not quite as impressive as Skars of Dracula's bat. Oh, really? Not <laughs> as impressive as Skars yes. of Dracula? Wow. That okay. is the one that stands out. Okay. In the whole yeah, it stands thing. out, all right. Oh, yeah, it does. So this bat starts to burn and flies away, leaving Herka covered in blood. Would and... be funny if the bat was going, ah, 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 as it was flying away. Hot, 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 yeah. hot, hot. <laughs> ouch, 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 ah. And then you see it later smothered in sun cream. Yes. <laughs> Flies over to a big uh, a big barrel of water and dips its wing in. <sighs> <sighs> so we return to the asylum and Lucy has been locked in a cell. Mm-hmm. And uh, Van Helsing says, you have given a laudanum? And uh, Seward says, my daughter? Of course not. <laughs> so it's okay that he gives Van Helsing's daughter Laudermann, but not his own daughter. I, I like that bit. It's a nice, that's a nice little touch, I think. Yeah. Between the two men, the two characters. Uh, I'm still questioning his medical degree. <laughs> Harker wants to go in and speak to Lucy. Van Helsing reminds her that she is no longer what she seems. Don't be fooled. Harker, the fool... Goes into the cell to talk to Lucy. She's upset and doesn't know what's happening. Oh, does she? She says she feels weak. She wants to know what they're doing to Mina in their graveyard. In fact, she presses the point. As she questions Herka, she becomes less weak and it becomes obvious that she's playing with him. And she kisses him. And then she tries to bite him. Mm -hmm. Herka screams and Van Helsing enters with a cross, forcing her back. She takes the cross and starts to cry. What has she become? And this is, plays into that whole Victorian thing of, um, you know, it, the good old Victorian man can teach this wicked woman the error of her ways. Basically, it's that whole Victorian idea of women, which is women. <sighs> <laughs> it is, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. She, she's had, what did they call it? Vapors? Vapors, no. yeah. <laughs> or something like that. Yeah. So the rest of them believe that Dracula will come back at night to get Lucy, so they're going to be ready for him. Mm-hmm. They catch Renfield trying to eat insects and muttering about Dracula, so they lock him up. Yeah, they take his bugs away, don't they? They do. 
Mm-hmm. Harker loads are gone. We get another shot of uh, the McCoy sitting having a cup of tea and a sandwich. Yeah, mm-hmm. very nice. Mm-hmm. Jack Seward is playing cards. Mm-hmm. So during the night, Renfield hears a noise and realizes that Dracula is outside climbing the wall. Now this scene where, because he he basically kills Renfield, doesn't he? Yeah, he does. He twists his neck right off. When I saw this as a kid, it freaked me out. I imagine it would, because they twist his head right 360 degrees and he's laying over his head backwards. The thing is, when you look at it now, the the actual effect, it looks a bit... It's like... It's not good, is it? it, It's like you took a trip to one of those knock-off Madame Tussauds (laughs) exhibitions. Not even Madame Tussauds, but the really bad ones. Exactly. But I think the thing that freaked me out as a kid wasn't necessarily the, the head-twisting moment. I think it was the, the, the moment when he hits the ground and then the spurt of blood comes out of his nose. Mm. It, it's, it's a, again, it's a touch that, that just... It's, got, it's that 70s nastiness again that we've talked about, I think. Right. You know, the... Right. the Films in the 70s had a little, a little streak of nastiness that ran through them, which I kind of like. Right. don't see it very often anymore, I don't think, that, that particular kind of gritty, dirty nastiness. You, you know? like the gritty, dirty, dirty nastiness? I do, you know, because, you know, horror films today, they're all so sanitised and so glossy. Slick. Glossy and slick, yeah. Yeah. So they open the door to Lucy's cell and they find a hole in the wall and Dracula climbing down the wall with her. Dracula is carrying her away, and they give chase in the car again. Mm-hmm. They're getting a lot of mileage out of this car, aren't they? they are, yeah, yeah. Dracula and Lucy run into the castle and down to the basement, and she hugs him. I beg your pardon? She hugs him. She, she like, he, 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 like, pushes her away, but then she hugs him. Yes. And so to show that he's not kidnapping her, she actually wants to go with him. Yeah, she's full-on uh, turned at this point, hasn't she? So meanwhile, while they're giving chase, they're running to a man delivering another crate to Dracula and find out that he's heading to Scarborough Port. Now, th- th- this guy's hilarious. He's, he's like full-on northern, isn't he? Yeah. I think at one point he shouts out, You stupid earputh! Yeah, I mean, in fact, I think northerners are going, Oh, he's too northern for us. <laughs> they realise Dracula intends to leave England. They mm-hmm. drive to the port, chasing the cart. And they catch up with it, and they're telling him to stop, but the horses won't. The the guy, I can't figure, who, who's the guy who controls the horse? <laughs> he's a driver, isn't he? I guess he's a driver. The driver has lost control of the horses. The horse the controls is, Yeah, that's what, that's what came <laughs> to my head. I was like, that's not right. <laughs> the, the, the manager, the horse manager. The horse manager. <laughs> Hang on. <laughs> 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 so that that doesn't sound right. <laughs> the cat hits a rock, knocking the driver off. Herker swerves the why, car. Why to does avoid... he? I'm not sorry. Why does he fall off in slow motion? He seems really out of place. There's no other slow motion in the film. No, right? there isn't. He just falls off in slow motion, going ah. Maybe my my guess is sometimes when they do this in films is because it looked terrible in normal motion. Yeah, it could be probably. Yeah. So yeah. They, so they were like, eh, let's just slow it down. We need it to looks fix more it. Impressive. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Or maybe they needed to add like five seconds to the running time of the film. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty long. Yeah. 
So Hercus swerves the car to avoid hitting the driver and then crashes into a tree and the car is a write-off and they're 10 miles from Scarborough. They're going to have to run, aren't they? Yeah, and they do. They do? They manage to get there. They do? (laughs) (laughs) I think we're banking on uh, the Americans' uh, lack of geographical uh, (laughs) knowledge. After after the fifth mile, I'll be like, forget it, he's leaving, it doesn't matter. (laughs) She, she's a vampire. He's Dracula. She's made a choice. We're not going to change that. He's not coming back. He's going somewhere else. Let them deal with it. Yes, exactly. They're going to, yeah. they're going to that place which is not England. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't matter anymore. Exactly. So they don't have uh, moral fibre. They actually want to stop Dracula. <laughs> yeah. And so they see the ship is leaving. Mm-hmm. And they pay a man to take them out in a small steamboat so that they can board the ship. They've put alongside, but the crew don't speak English. But then they react when Seward says the word Nosferatu. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that movie as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah love bites. Yes. <laughs> so, Hacker and Helsing go down into the cargo. And they find the crate, mm-hmm. and they pry it open, and inside is Dracula and Lucy, apparently asleep. Having a bit of a kip. Yeah, having a nap. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing wrong with that. No. no. No oxygen, but it doesn't matter. Well, they don't, they're not, well, they don't breathe, do they? They're vampires. Vampires don't breathe? Well, because no, they're dead, aren't they? Hmm. Although she's technically not dead yet, is she? But they, they look like they're breathing. Their stomachs are going up and down. See, now you're looking at it far too closely. <laughs> <laughs> because, funnily enough... He's an actor. He's not really a vampire. <laughs> Wait a minute. This has all been a lie. Yeah, you know, Sid James wasn't a cowboy either. Oh, what? I mean, I'm ruining it for you now, but, you know. I'm ruining everything for mm-hmm. me. And, and Kenneth Lucy Williams awa- wasn't... Oh, never mind. <laughs> Lucy awakes, screaming and red-eyed. Van Helsing is about to ram a stake through the heart of Dracula, but he awakes mm-hmm. because Lucy screams. And he grabs the stake and manages to spear Van Helsing instead. Is Van Helsing dead? Hacker tries to shoot Dracula, but bullets do no good. <laughs> the thing that popped into my head in this bit was, your bullets cannot harm me, my wings are a shield of steel. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember that? That thing. That thing. <laughs> bat think. Yeah, bat think. <laughs> now, now I wish we'd been watching Bat think. <laughs> Did you like Bat think? It was, it was amusing. It was alright, but it was one of those cartoons where you watched it, but you wished it was something else. You did, like... you did, yeah. And it was it was one gag, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was I'd that gag. Watch... <laughs> the one that we just did. <laughs> yeah, I'd rather watch Count Docula. But it turns out Van Helsing isn't dead. He managed to grab a hook and swings it to Dracula, hooking him from behind. I'm sure he could pretty much pull that out, couldn't he? Yeah, it doesn't look as bad as he seems to be flailing around. I mean, this whole, this whole last section of this film doesn't really work for me. No, do you, in fact, like when Van Helsing throws it and it gets Dracula and Dracula starts going, blah, 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 I think Van Helsing looks kind of surprised just before he dies. <laughs> as if like he's like, that worked? Yeah, he's kind of like, oh, well, that was a lot easier than I thought it would be. <laughs> he's like, oh, you could just take it out. <laughs> but he's not used to being hooked from behind, obviously. Who is? Hacker pulls out a winch, 
sending Dracula high to the top of the sails and into the sunlight. Yes, and he starts to melt. Yeah, he does. He screams and he's burning and he flails around. It doesn't look good, does it? The, the makeup no. isn't great. No, it's not. It's, it's um, yeah. But he dies. He does. Lucy lowers her arms. Her eyes are back to normal. Mm-hmm. But as she watches, Dracula flies away. He and, didn't actually need a ship after all. And 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 I think her look, the look on her face, the enigmatic look that she's got, just about saves the last the moments of this film. I think. Yeah, because she's clearly you know happy that he survived. Mm-hmm. And then that's the, the end. Film ends. Yeah. Mm. So, what did you think of John Badam's Dracula? Um. Well, I'll I'll. I'll talk about the bad stuff first. <laughs> I'm, sure, right. I'm sure your list is longer than mine. but Well, okay. It's a bit hokey. That's not really the film's fault because all it's doing is interpreting a, a book and a play that was written 100 years before this film was made. And it's not, it's not the film's fault that I don't think that, that some things have become parodied to a point where it, it, it becomes amusing. I mean, you're you're looking at it through through the eyes of somebody that that has seen so many parodies of it that it, it, when you see him floating in through the window in a cloud of smoke, it, it kind of looks funny, doesn't it? So you're saying the film is not hokey or bad if you ignore every other Dracula reference that's gone before it? I'm no, I'm just saying that that. that you you think about the parodies and 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 you see you know you, I mean the Sesame Street have their own version of Dracula don't they I mean I wish we'd watch that <laughs> this is what I'm saying it's not the film's fault it, all the film all that John Badham was trying to do was interpret a text and do it as faithful as he could mm-hmm. so I, I'm fine with that yes the final part of the film it doesn't quite work it doesn't work for me but the problem with the book is that the ending is kind of it kind of just happens and it's not particularly it's not very cinematic the ending of the book anyway and if you go back and look at the Bela Lugosi movie it just ends they stab they stab him and then he he dies and then it's that's the end so at least they tried to do something a little bit more visual and a little bit more again I'll use that word cinematic right it doesn't quite work but having said all that you know that I'm a sucker for this kind of stuff. I yeah. love my gothic horror, and I'm into the whole. You know, I love all the, the the allegories for addiction that are in vampire stories, and the sexual aspect, and the snapshot of Victoriana that you get. I love all that. And then as a film, this is it's it. It looks amazing. I think it, it, it looks gorgeous to look at. The music's fantastic. The performances are excellent. I really like this film. In fact, it's probably in my top two interpretations of Dracula. Which is the other one? Uh, the uh, the first original um, Christopher Lee Hammer Dracula. Okay. So you'd say it was a hit? I would say it's a hit, and I would include it. So go on, then. Well, it has the lovely Jan Francis. It's a hit. <laughs> Who'd have thought it'd been that easy? <laughs> um, I don't hate this film. Okay, I'm just not very excited by it. Right. Do you, 
Do you think some of that's though because you, you you're just not engaged with the subject matter? Possibly. I just found it very humdrum, really. I, I in fact, if you ask me, did I want to watch Scars of Dracula or this one? I would rather watch Scars because it's more fun. That's interesting because I was actually going to ask you that. I I think visually and on a production level, Scars is obviously not as good as this one. <laughs> yes. But for pure entertainment, I prefer Scars because it's fun. This one is just a little... Uh, it's so serious about itself. Yeah, but do you not think a lot of that comes from the fact that they're, try, that, that they're trying to separate themselves from the Hammer movies that have come before it? And that's fine, but it just doesn't work for me. Okay. So it's a no for you, is it then? Yeah, it's a no for me. Split decision? I, I think so. I'm, there are bits that I like about it visually. Um, performances either range from very good... Mm-hmm. to way over the top um, <laughs> so it, it kind of swerves around a bit yeah. there's some nice ideas in it and I kind of find the northern background actors amusing and that's different because you don't see that very often I don't yeah think. but it just mm-hmm. I just watched it and I saw it and it washed over me and I was done with it and that's it for John Badam's Dracula uh, you recently posted a question on our Facebook page I did. I asked in this sort of era of reboots and reimaginings, what uh, what TV shows or movies would our listeners like to see redone? And we had some interesting suggestions. Um, we had uh, Babylon 5. I can see that. Yeah, I can see that. I think it, it deserves uh, another crack where it could be opened up a bit more, I think. Right. Than what it was. Yeah. And technology's moved on. And and this, there's a lot of room for the... As you mentioned, the shared universe idea. Yes. That is really big today. Let's see more of the races involved in, in that universe. Yeah. A, a, a quirky suggestion that we got was uh, Overboard should be remade. Is that the Goldie Hawn, Kurt Russell film? It is, yeah. Where um, he, he knocks her over and then pretends that she's his wife. That's she loses the one. Her memory. Yes. And okay. I think I think uh, the listener suggested that Chris Pratt should play the Kurt Russell role, which I can see. I can see that happening. Who for the woman? So yeah, so it would have been Anna Ferris he suggested for for the Goldie Hawn role. Yeah, I'm not sure about that. I'm not even sure that should have been a first time film. I guess the person who suggested it likes that film. I guess so. Yeah. I haven't another, seen it for a long another time. Another suggestion would be um, um, that was made is uh, the Outer Limits. That's an interesting one. We don't mm-hmm. really see anthology shows anymore. You don't, yeah. It's a shame, really, because I love an anthology. They're nice because you don't have to sit and watch 22 episodes of a season. You can yes. just dip in whenever you feel like it. And, you know, there might be half a dozen you don't like, but then mm-hmm. there'll be another 10 that you do like. I think, um, in some ways, don't you think that Inside Number 9 do that? To a certain extent, that's that's an anthology show. I would yes. say, yeah. Yes. I mean, it's a short one because they only do six or eight episodes a season. But yeah, it, yeah. it's very much um, in the vein of the old um, Amicus Portmanteau movies. Oh, totally, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think which probably, I'm sure they're a fan of. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So, have you got any suggestions that you would like to maybe see come I back? I do actually. I would love to see a remake of UFO. What a surprise! What is it? It's just, it's just a, I know how much you love that show. So. <laughs> it, it's just a, a great idea. 
the whole mm-hmm. and it's not expensive to make because the concept is, is that you know they're an organization that's protecting earth against invasions from ufos and mm-hmm. the cover story is that they're a film studio so you can actually film it in the film studio that you're filming it in it's a yes yes it'll work really well today because you get to explore the sets of a film studio mm-hmm. and special effects of course have improved since the original so it will be i think that would make a nice new series do you think, though, that if they stray too far away from the original idea that it might put you off? And don't you think that a lot of your love for that show comes from the fact that it's very 60s and very... It looks um, a certain way. And if it, I, didn't, if it didn't, it'd be that Battlestar Galactica thing. You know, the reason why he weren't too keen on the original... On, on the remake of Battlestar Galactica was because it was so far removed from the original that you couldn't engage with it anymore. I'm not sure, because I like... You, Jerry Anderson's UFO as it is that's fine, that's a snapshot perfect, love it but I think there's storylines that you could transfer into the modern world the idea of this secret organisation mm-hmm. that is international, protecting the earth is a great idea, so I would be happy with a modernised version of it without the purple hair and uh, the nice costumes No, oh, interesting yeah, well, that's, that's funny because one of my suggestions would have been um, Space 1999. Now, obviously, you couldn't do 1999 anymore, but you could do Space 2099. Yeah, you could, and they're both Jerry Anderson shows. Exactly, yeah. yeah and I think, I think that's got a lot of scope. Yeah. You'd have to come up with some way that, you know, because I don't think people would accept the moon travelling <laughs> the why way it did have, in the original. Why do you have a problem with that? Because it's not possible, is it? But it's blown out of its orbit and it's spinning around, so it's generating its own gravity. It, it would kind of destroy the Earth at the same time, wouldn't it? But it does. Like, it doesn't actually... The Earth doesn't destroy, but as they're leaving, the news reports they get from Earth is that there's total devastation and the uh, Earth's got storms and things are happening. And then they lose contact. For all they know, Earth has destroyed. Oh, right. I never thought of that. Yeah. Yeah. It's a better show than you thought. It is. <laughs> Scientifically sound. <laughs> I like to see Highlander redone. I know that, that there's a lot of um, talk oh, of doing that. Yeah, that's that's one that. Yeah, okay. Mm-hmm. You always loved that show, didn't you? And the films. Well, I just think I just think if you if you did the action sequences now in the same you know vein as something like John Wick, where you know you could do a lot more with the action, right. get get the actors to actually do it properly. And, and open up the whole world of the Immortals in the same way that the TV show did, you know? Right. I think that could be interesting. Yeah, I think that's it from me. Mm-hmm. Ah, well, if anyone's got any other suggestions, feel free to keep them coming in. Yeah. And we'll talk about them. And you can do that by sending us an email to retrospection at email.com. You can find us on Twitter at RetroSpecky and also through our Facebook page. And if you're interested in the music from any of the films and TV shows that we review, you can hear it on our Spotify playlist. So join us in our next episode of Retrospection when we will, funnily enough, be looking at Jerry Anderson's UFO. Wow. So are we going to do what we're going to do? The movie? Well, it's not technically a movie. It was actually a a number of episodes put together on videotape that was then sent to the USA and Europe to sell the show. And Network, the people who release Blu-rays and DVDs today, have gone back with the original film elements and recreated this in HD. So we're actually going to look at this, which has been called Invasion UFO. So it's a number of episodes put together, which isn't 
the best way to see a series. I don't think it's a fair assessment, but it's going to be fun in its own right. Yeah, and it'll give us a little snapshot into it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that's what we'll be doing. So, thank you for listening, and join us in our next podcast. Bye. 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 Bye.